Welcome to Pilates 101, the podcast where we bring you the latest and most up-to-date information on anything and everything to do with the Pilates industry to help you build your dreams and your businesses right now. Hello everyone, it's Glenn Withers here again. I'm broadcasting to you from the head offices here in London in the United Kingdom and it is early March 2022. Now, I'm going to open by being completely honest with you guys. I wasn't sure right now was the time to actually record a podcast. Uh, Today's podcast, we're going to be talking all about hips and how we work with hips and my thoughts in and around how hips can be uh, managed, improved, worked with um, through the Pilates repertoire and the, and the movements that we do. And as I sat down to think about the podcast and to prepare for the podcast and to do the relevant P's and Q's, so to speak, it sort of struck me as, <laughs> really? <laughs> Is it right to do a podcast about hips right now with what's happening in, the, in, in Ukraine? And I'm no politician. I am a physiotherapist and a Pilates teacher. And there is much about the world that I don't understand. Um, But I cannot comprehend what is happening in Ukraine right now. And so I don't know if there's anybody that is listening to this in, uh, in other parts of the world. But I urge us all to do whatever it is, big, small, indifferent, to help the people of Ukraine right now, because it is not right what is happening over there. And it's easy for us to, to sit back and think that's over there and we're here or, or whatever, but it is one united world that we live in, isn't it? And you know, there are people exactly like us that you know, seven, eight days ago had the same sort of daily routine that we all wake up and take for granted, you know, taking our kids to school, going into our Pilates studios, teaching people, helping people, working in our physio clinics, finishing the day feeling good about what you've delivered in your profession and how you've helped people, and then going home to husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, grandparents, children, and having an evening meal and sitting down and discussing what is going on in the world and and, and and that's changed now, you know, these same people, I'm sure you've all seen the same, um, you know, things on TV that just horrify you, you know, members of parliament being handed guns and told to, to try and protect their country, lawyers on the front line monitoring a, a, a station to try and prevent ongoing attacks and ongoing fronts. I don't know, it's just not right. Um, and so for those of you that follow uh, me on Instagram at glenn.withers.physio, um, my wife at elisa.withers, the the company Instagrams are at APPI Health Group and at APPI Clinics, you'll see that we're trying to do a little bit that we can. We put out a statement today um, showing our strength and unity for the people of Ukraine. Um opening up the podcast by uh, saying my little piece here for what it's worth as well. And I do ask that, um, you know, you think about what you can do. We're going to be doing some fundraising activities over 
you know, the coming week, there'll be more information about that coming out in the in the next few days. We're just finalizing what we can do. Um, and when you see that, please do support it. Give what you can. Um, we'll be trying to do as much as we can for Red Cross to try and, and help in whatever way it is that we can. I guess one way, whether you're religious or not, but one way that people can help is to just think about the people of Ukraine and send them positive thoughts and good wishes. For those of you that, that are religious, praying for our friends in and across Ukraine um, and Ukrainians across the world, which, you know, you just can't imagine what it must be like um, for those people all across the world, the people in Ukraine, the people that are outside of Ukraine that have family in Ukraine. Either way, it's just not right. And in whatever way we can, uh, we should stand shoulder to shoulder, so to speak, with the people of Ukraine at this time. All right. And so now I I switch my hats and I, I, I become that Pilates teacher that I mentioned who I am before we had that, um, I think, needed chat about what's going on in the world. And so we come to hips. And I want to talk about hips. And the reason I wanted to talk about hips this month is there's lots and lots of stuff going on about hips right now. Um, Some really great information and great exercises that are out there and some really poor information and and poor exercises that are out there, if you ask me. And so perhaps it's time to just take a, a little look at the actual hip joint itself, what it is that are common issues in and around the hip and ways that perhaps we can uh, look at structuring our sessions for the hip. So if we start right at the basics, as we all know, the hip is a ball and socket joint. However, the hip is a very congruent ball and socket joint, isn't it? So it's joint structure, it's joint anatomy is very well versed within each other, unlike the shoulder joint, which is also a ball and socket joint, but its congruity is very, very poor. So it's highly mobile, but relies heavily on the musculature and the ligamentous supports, the capsule and the muscles um, around the shoulder. Whereas the hip, the hip is much more congruent joint. So it's a a much more stable joint. And it needs to be obviously because it's a weight bearing joint for us as two-legged humans. So therefore, when you look at the hip and you start thinking about, okay, what do I need to do to make sure that I maintain a healthy hip, we do need to try to maintain the mobility that the hip has. And then we need to maintain the appropriate strength and muscle balance in and around the hip. And I say in and around the hip because it is impossible. Let's just uh, make sure we're on the same page that it is impossible to just look at the hip if you're talking about it from a function point of view because obviously the pelvis specifically the SI joint and pubic symphysis and the you know those three articulations through the pelvis um, you know are into integral to how the hip functions um, you know likewise the lower back especially that L5 S1 segment onto the SI joint onto the hip you know that pathway of our anatomical being is so interlinked and interconnected that It's very hard to say one thing or the other. So let's make the assumption that when I'm talking about how to manage the hip, we agree that 
the essence of Pilates in terms of its ability to engage the inner core, the outer core, and this extended core that um, we often talk about here at APPI, that is integral to hip pathology and hip function. So if we then accept that, okay, core exercises are very important for the hip and all of your relevant Pilates exercise isn't around getting a strong lower spine and pelvis are important for the hip. Um, let me focus on the hip a little bit more. So when people come to you with issues around the hip, if they're talking more anterior hip, front of the hip, then often you're going to be talking about um, iliopsoas issues, rec fem tightness. Um, if it's more deeper in the joint, you might have that snapping hip phenomenon. And also you could be looking at more likely labral um, tears, cam lesions, those sort of pathologies itself. If the hip issue is more lateral hip, well, then you're going to be looking at it more from a sort of tendinopathy point of view, specifically those gluteal tendinopathies that are quite rife in and around the lateral hip. And then if you're looking posterior hip, looking at the back of the hip, then you're going to be thinking more that lumbar spine SI joint type of issue, or maybe something coming up through that hamstring attachment towards the ischial tuberosity that can have an effect on the hip. So anteriorly, uh, musculature, you're looking more iliopsoas, rec fem, that sort of an issue. Deeper, you're looking more at those labral tears, especially that sort of anterior hip adductor pain, very um, key points of pain if you start to think maybe there's a bit of a labral issue in there. Lateral hip, more tendinopathies, gluteal tendinopathies being the most common one in and around that site. And of course, you can have your bursitis out there as well, ITB issues, etc. Back of the hip, we're thinking more posterior structures, lumbar spine, SI joint, something along those lines. All right, so when you're challenged with the, the hip itself, obviously you'll have a look at your range of movements, you'll have a look at your, your flexion versus your abduction, adduction, um, but a squeeze test is a really important test in and around the hip adductor pathology area. So put your fist between the knees of your client, um, fully outstretched, get them to squeeze, bring it up to about 30 degrees of knee flexion, get them to squeeze, up to around 60, get them to squeeze, and then up at around 90 degrees knee flexion, get them to squeeze. And that's called the squeeze test. And that squeeze test can really highlight if there's any real adductor pathology that might be part of that hip presentation. And that's quite important for you to understand. And then you can come up and you can do what, what we call a hip quadrant, where you sort of cradle the knee against your chest and you're sort of doing a scooping movement to try and check out the joint integrity and what's happening in there. And as you come into that internal rotation, that's where you're going to pick up more of those labral issues. Um, and then as you come around, if it's more of a generalized grinding sort of sensation, then that might be a little bit more of that arthritic type into the hip. Um, all right, snapping hip. I touched on that earlier. Snapping hip, generally three types of snapping hip. So snapping hip is when you, for example, say you're doing one leg stretch level two. That's a mat work exercise for us. Um, when you bring the single leg up into tabletop and then you reach the leg out in front of you as a sort of warm up a beginner type exercise heading towards the more classical one leg stretch mat exercise. Um, so as it moves out there, as it moves away, um, you may feel a bit of a, a snapping sensation at the front of a client's hip. So if it's at the front there, that's more muscular tightness. It's going to be more iliopsoas or rec fem muscular tightness causing that. 
Now, a big reason why that muscular tightness is there is because of poor gluteal activity posteriorly. And I'm going to get into the muscles in and around the posterior hip in a moment, but uh, in essence, that's where um, you often find that. Now, one thing you can do is just place a really strong resistance band against the, the foot, get in a hold the band in the hand and then do that exact same movement and if you remove the snapping hip there then you know what to do you have to work the gluteals because all you've done is taken that from a eccentric hip flexor exercise to a more concentric posterior hip musculature exercise you've created a move from an open chain to a closed chain and you've straight away taken away something that might have been there in your client for 15 or 20 years so it's a really nice way to show your client how important the exercises themselves are. Okay, if you do the same thing and you get that snapping hip, but it's more lateral, it's on the side of the hip, more likely that's going to be an ITB issue um, and it's just flicking and t- tight TFL, very tight ITB. And again, more than likely going to be due to muscular imbalance in and around that hip. However, if you take that leg away and it's a different sound, it's a deeper sound, it's more of a clunk rather than a snapping hip and it's more posterior in the hip, that's a sign that it might be more SI joint that's at fault. And that's when that really needs to be looked at and checked out because it might be that there's a malalignment within the pelvis that needs a mechanical correction. And once we've got that mechanical correction, then we can get our muscular support working. Um, and it's very difficult if you do have a mechanical imbalance in and around the SI joint or the pelvis in any way shape or form for the appropriate exercises to truly help out the hip. All right so we're looking at a little bit of a you know as much of a a brief talk about assessment as you can on a podcast without having the visual medium to to use that common presentation of uh, the snapping hip and of course we're going to be talking about the gluteals of course we are. Um, But before we do, the other thing I want to just touch on is the importance of the chain, the kinetic chain when we are upright against gravity. So when we're upright against gravity, how the foot functions has an enormous impact on the hip. And so one of the things that I think is really important for us just to touch on is the importance of foot posture when you're delivering gluteal exercises to try and help hip pain. Because you can give great exercises for the hip, but if that person's foot posture, i.e. is pronating or rolling inward significantly throughout the day, then that is causing a relative rotation up in the hip. And that rotation is effectively lengthening out those gluteals that you're giving the same exercises to try and strengthen. And that's quite an unfair battle. If a client is walking around you know, all day long, causing the hip musculature to be lengthened because of a pronating foot and then you're giving them exercises to do you know 10 15 minutes a day or an hour session with you in the studio once or twice a week well, that's not a fair battle for those muscles to actually have a chance so i do often get asked my view on orthotics and in relation to hip pain and hip management i think orthotics are essential so if you feel that the the foot pronation might be an issue then that is something significant for you to think about referring on to a podiatrist to get an orthotic review because if we can correct that foot posture that will have a ongoing pattern rotatory pattern up through the entire leg to try and put the hip joint in a better position for those muscles to be able to do their job so there you go all right so there a little bit of the sort of you know 
physio hat type thing there. Let's get on to Pilates exercises. And what do I think are the best Pilates exercises for the hip? All right, so here, here you go. This is how I would normally work with the hip. Now, I'm going to limit the majority of my answers here to well-known exercises. There's a, a lot of um, variation of Pilates exercises and movement-based exercises that are really good for the hip. And if you've done our Healthy Hips course, you'll know that we show you a whole lot of new exercises there that aren't really more of that classical Pilates repertoire. But let me talk about it more from a Pilates repertoire point of view um, because obviously that's more consistent and not being able to show you the exercises on a podcast like this is difficult. So um, hip exercises. So if I'm working with somebody that needs to improve their both their mobility, stability and strength in and around the hip, I'm going to start with some mat work based exercises and I'll actually start with a hip twist level two exercise and that's where feet are together, small ball between the knees, hands out to the side, and it's a rolling movement, okay? Now, I'm doing that more as a lower spine mobilizer because I need to ensure that I've got good mobility and smooth transitions through the lumbar spine before I start loading anything into the hip itself. Then we're going to start with closed chain exercises. So I'll start with my client lying down, and we'll remind them of their their centering and then we'll go along with a one leg stretch and that's going to be the heel slide along the floor going side to side just to mimic that more walking motion and get that deep ingrained inner core control happening through the body then we'll come up and we'll go into a hip twist level one that's like a bent knee fallout type movement or a hip drop depending on the language that you use And then I will do a combination of those two. So fold the hip out to the side, slide it along the floor, roll the toe back so it's pointing back up towards the ceiling, and then slide the foot back in. So it's all closed chain, and it's a great little hip mobilizer. And I might do five to ten on each side. So repeating five to ten on one side, then go on to the other side. And then I will continue that on and add in a scissors, so a single leg lift into tabletop. So now we're getting that real lovely motion around the hip. The hip loves to move, right? It doesn't like to be stuck still. So we're going to begin our session by really allowing that hip to move, using the breath as a uh, speed indicator of the movement. And so we're going to fold the knee out to the side, slide it along the floor, roll the foot back up to the, the point in the ceiling, slide the foot back up, float it up into that tabletop, lower it back down, and then on to the other side and continue. Okay, and then we're going to come back and this is where we start thinking about, okay, what is it that we're trying to actually achieve with the hip itself? Because we're lying on our back, it's a lovely little sequence to go into an articulated bridge. Um, and so I might do you know, 8 to 10 articulated bridge. And then I will do another 8 to 10 straight spine hip thrust type bridge or glute bridge. Now, there's a lot of um, you know, debate around why you're doing both or what's the difference. Um, so... The understanding that I have in relation to the muscle function here is in that articulated bridge, we are going to encourage more of a glute max activation pattern as we roll through that posterior tilt and bring the hip from a flex position, extending up towards that hip neutral at the the top of the bridge. And that motion is going to encourage more of a gluteal maximus activation pattern. 
Whereas the straight spine bridge, where we have no articulation through the spine, um, Alison Grimaldi's work has shown us that that will give us a deeper gluteal activation into more of your, um, effectively, your rotators of the hip, your gemelli, your quadratus femoris, etc. And so that straight spine hip thrust exercise gets deeper, stabilizes in the hip working compared to that articulated bridge. So rather than choosing one or the other, I will generally do both in my sessions to in- because I want all of that muscular work musculature working around the hip. Okay. Now, if I'm doing a studio session, after that I may well head straight onto the reformer and get on with my footwork exercises. And so if I am on the reformer doing footwork, I'll do all of it with the heel on the foot bar. And the reason I'm doing that is that with the heel on the foot bar as opposed to the toe on the foot bar, I will get better gluteal and posterior hip activation as I go through the repetitions of my footwork series on the reformer. If I don't have the reformer, I'm staying with my mat work, then I'm going to go on to some sideline exercises. And this is where I have a really clear decision to make. If I feel there's any element of a lateral tendinopathy in that hip, I am not going to go into my rotation-based sideline exercises, i.e. clam, which brings on the the big debate around the clam. Is it or is it not an appropriate exercise for the hip? Well, that completely depends on what you're managing. And this is where I really don't like right or wrong views on a particular exercise because it varies based on what the hip is doing. There's enormous studies out there that show us that the clam-based exercises is one of the best exercises for getting gluteal activation and not getting ITB activation. So in that sense, it's a great exercise. However, that's on a healthier hip or a hip that has no element of a gluteal tendinopathy or a lateral hip pain. Because a lot of the lateral hip tendinopathies come because of compression in and around that uh, tenderness attachment around the, the bony, uh, bony tr- um, tuberance that, that's there. So what we have to make sure is that if that's the case, I'm not going to do clam or any of my rotation exercises. I'm just going to keep in straight lines. And again, that's where the reformer becomes much more effective than the mat if we are looking at those lateral hip pathologies. However, if I am not, then I'm going to look at the clam as a great exercise. And you've got to make sure you're in the right position, no more than 45 degrees hip flexion, and making sure that the heels are in line with the buttock. And then I will do a little sequence where I'll do clam level one, that's feet down, and I might do eight to 10 of those, lift both heels up, and now I get more range back. Um, And so, sorry, on that first one where we're lying down, I'm going to rotate the top hip slightly forwards. That brings the line of gravity posterior to the lateral hip and that will give me better activation of my gluteals as well and my hip rotators so then i clam level one there onto clam level two both feet lifted up in the air i get my range of movement back and that's where i will start to uh, get a little bit more muscular activity around the hip and then we take it up i'll do eight to ten of those and then imagine you're like that clam shell is open so the knee is up heels are touching both heels off the floor I'll hold that position and then do do a knee extension movement for somewhere between five to eight. And that really rams home in on the glutes. It's a lovely little sequence. So for those of you APPI trained, what I'm talking about there is clam one into clam two, and then that clam two variation where we pause at the top. 
Um, I hope I've explained that well enough if, if you're listening to this and you're not trained through us. Um, and then um, we come back down and depending on the stage of the client I'm working with, you might then add in like a um, side kick. So uh, side kick level two, underneath leg is bent, top leg is straight and onto your side kick exercises there, toe pointing on the way on the hip flexion, heel driving back towards that hip extended or neutral position as you come back. And then you can do, you know, again, five to 10 of those and then pause with the foot forwards, so equal to the underlying thigh that is bent, and then do some lift and lowers out there. And again, it's a really, really great hip strengthening sequence that you can use there. Of course, you'll do both sides, and then you're going to come on to all fours and start to do some leg extension work. And I'll do the all four work first before I come down on to prone, because I think it's a better sequence. And you might just do a little bit of a leg stretch there, Um, Then maybe your um, swimming level four, which is the opposite arm and and leg extension exercise, which is a great stabilizer as well as a hip exercise. Um, And then uh, going into things like your leg pulling prone prep, uh, leg pulling prone prep two, that's into like the high plank push-up type position, and then add in some leg pulling prone hip extension lifts in there, um, which are great hip exercises as well. Then we come back down and add in the resistance band into all fours and start doing your external rotation and internal rotation resistance work in all fours. And it's this exercise here on all fours, band around the ankles, doing your resistance work in rotation. That would be the um, option that you would go for if you couldn't do clamp because it completely changes what's happening around the hip, completely changes the load on the lateral hip, and is a much better exercise in that sense. Now, the other thing you have to make sure you're doing is working the internal rotators and not just the external rotators when you're doing your hip management because we, I think we're a little bit biased sometimes on those external rotators and you must work your internal rotators as well. And that four-point kneeling position is a really good position to be able to do that as, uh, as part of the program. All right, and then from there, so from there, if you're working more in a mat type environment, from there you want to come into some of your standing Pilates exercises. Um, if you have the um, ability to use the equipment, then, you know, as I said, coming on to the reformer is brilliant. Um, doing some of your foot series, um, the double leg work and the single leg work is fantastic. Um, shoulder bridge on the reformer is brilliant. Shoulder bridge into your extensions brilliant come back down feet in straps just beautiful way to stretch and lengthen and mobilize the structures around the hip so i love your bend and stretch into your lift and lower and then into the big wide circles and just adding a little bit of overpressure there onto that is absolutely beautiful i find but then we come on to the split pedal chair which is just made for functional hip retraining so for those of you that are um, trained in the split pedal chair, that's when you'd go onto your standing series, forward-facing standing series, side-facing plie series out there is brilliant as well, and then standing up and doing your reverse lunge work um, from the top of the chair down, adding a little mountain climber if your client's up for it and, and capable of that. Of course, the seated series on the on the split pedal chair is also reasonable for the hips, um, but certainly that standing series is great. Now, if you don't have the chair, your standing Pilates exercises are just brilliant for the hip. Think just standing simple squats, 
into a lift and lower, into a foot series, and then maybe come down into a uh, standing scooter, and then maybe into a standing swimming. Um, Really great functional exercises around the hip. Absolutely love it. And then one of the things from a um, hip point of view that I do think is really important then is um, opening up the hip. So on the, again, on the reformer, probably the favorite way I like to finish a session on the reformer is to really work on those hip openers. And so that's where you're standing one foot on the floor, the other foot onto the shoulder rest on the reformer, hands holding onto the foot bar. And then you press and extend the hip and then take it back into a, a much deeper, wider stretch, um, working into the hip, front of the hip itself. And you can repeat that four or five times and then place your foot Stay in the exact same position, put your foot onto the opposite headrest and then press out and open and bring that stretch down and you'll get a lovely stretch into more of the um, inside of the hip as well. And it's a really nice way to open up that part of the hip. And I find my clients really enjoy finishing a session like that. If you don't have the reformer, it's something that you can replicate by using a larger gym ball. Um, so standing, holding onto some support and then reaching back um, reaching leg back over the gym ball and then sort of lunging back to try and get that opening sensation as well. Um, really, really lovely uh, exercise for sure. Then coming back and, um, you know, we all have uh, those standard hip stretches, don't we? Um, you know, lying on your back, foot on the opposite knee, bringing the knee up to stretch. But one way I like to do that is actually making that a active exercise rather than a passive hold because I think the tension through the upper body, the neck, the shoulders, etc. when you're holding that is not great. Um, if I am doing that stretch, I'll pretty much always do it with the um, foot up against a wall, not holding behind the knee with your hands. Put the foot up on the wall and then the opposite foot on the knee, etc. But one way I like to do that, as I said, is much more active. So uh, lying on your back, take one knee up to your tabletop and then rotate and place that foot onto the opposite knee. You stay down or come up into an abdo prep hold. And then you do the sort of almost like a scissors level one movement with that leg from the foot that's on the floor. So for example, if I'm opening the right hip, okay, I'm going to float the right hip, the right leg to tabletop and then rotate and place my right foot onto my left knee. Left foot is on the floor. Now the exercise is really engaging core quite strongly and then drawing that left knee up into tabletop and then beyond and really pulling it in actively, not using your hands, pulling it in actively towards the chest, trying to open that right hip as you go and then lower it down really slowly and you're getting great abdominal control into that as well. Um, And it's a really great exercise to open the hip but also keep the client active and working at the same time. Um, and passively, one of the things that can be for the hip, right? So maybe not in your sessions, but as a home exercise for your client, a lovely hip opener at home is, um, just lying on the edge of your bed, take one hip up towards the chest, hold it there and let the other leg just hang down. It's a Thomas test position. Um, if you put a little small ankle weight on that, one or two kilo ankle weight, it really opens up the anterior hip and they just stay there for a minute or two minutes and let the hip open, let gravity do its thing, do nothing, just let that weight t- drag it down, let gravity take it down and it's a really nice way to just focus on breath and allow the hip to really open and feel much freer. Deeply engage the core, 
bicycle change those legs a little bit and then you work on the other side holding the other knee to you let the other leg drop down and again one two minutes and just stay and hold there and let the hip actually just open and free itself a little bit as well um all right so look through the medium of a podcast obviously this might be uh uh more beneficial if you like if i was doing this as a video um but these are the sort of things plus about another 20 or so different exercises that we talk about on the healthy hips course um i guess all i'm going to summarize this up with is the hip is a vital joint for us isn't it it gets a battering through our daily lives so it's important that we look after it and we keep working at it working at both mobility stability and strength is vital in and around the hip And then giving it some time to recover, giving it some unloaded exercises like that Thomas test stretch I just described. But making sure that you're considering all aspects of the hip. So it's not about just the gluteals, the gemelli, quadratus femoris, those deep rotators in the hip are just as important, if not more important to us, as opposed to just the gluteals. Also ensure you're focusing on what is happening at the front of the hip. If those anterior structures are so tight, it really doesn't matter how much you get those posterior structures working. It's always going to be in this battle. So making sure that we have this this real awakening in terms of looking at the, the hip as a whole. What's happening at the front of the hip? What's happening at the lateral hip, the side of the hip? What's happening at the back, the posterior part of the hip, and ensuring that we're giving attention to all of those elements as you go through your Pilates programs. Okay, right, so as always, uh, I want to hear more from you guys. I'm bringing as much content as I can. I'm getting those questions coming through, through our Facebook support group, through our Instagrams, and through other various aspects of social media and through the website um, those for those of you that are members of APPI, of course, you've got uh, the members area that you can look into, and we'll continue to um, grow that and put as much content and information up there for you guys exclusively to try and get access to as well. Our Healthy Hips course is out there; it's a great course. I'm quite proud of that course, so um, have a look at that. And I am, um, or have written a chapter on hip pathology and how to manage it with Pilates in a upcoming publication. Um, health uh, pilates health conditions uh, i think is the title um it's an amazing book being put together by elizabeth larkham and madeline black and it's going to be coming out um uh i'm not sure exactly when but a load of us from all around the world have written chapters for it i've written a chapter on the hip Uh, i take you through a case study of a hip labral client and how i worked with him on his journey from facing surgery to actually recovering all the way to completing Ironman triathlons again, um, he did. He did brilliantly, and we followed the same pathway I just spoke to you guys about in our little uh, sort of tutor session that we've done on the podcast here today. All right, guys, look, that's it from me. I am. Um, I'm working on getting more guests onto the podcast so it's not just my voice that you have to be um, bombarded with when you listen to the podcast so i hope that that has been of interest to you i hope you've been able to follow it um doing it as an audio rather than video i understand is is a little bit harder but hopefully it's given you some thoughts concepts ideas that you can take into your practice and give it a try um and that's it guys uh wishing you all safety health happiness in your world and in your lives. And once again, from all of us here at APPI and my partners all around the world, 
May we wish everyone in Ukraine the best of a terrible situation. We're with you, we're thinking of you, and we're praying for you. Virtually see you, hear you on next month's podcast. Bye for now.